Welcome to a bonus edition of Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. I'm joined today by Nick Tilwalk, managing editor of Wrestling Junkie, and Juan Johnson, Wrestling Junkie columnist. And we're going to be talking about a pretty big episode of Monday Night Raw that aired on Monday from Nashville, which involved the return to Monday Night Raw of CM Punk. So uh, let's get right to it. Um, I'm going to kind of give my reaction first to kind of Punk being back and also to his uh, his interview, his promo, I guess we could call it, on Raw. Um, I will say that I was not surprised on Saturday because I actually was watching the show with my brother and I said, I think we're getting Orton and Punk right before the War Games match started. So I was happy to be right. At the, at the very, very end, I thought I was going to be wrong. But then I, I, I just kind of laughed to myself. It's just, you know, you know, thinking about it from a WWE perspective, they're getting a main eventer just sort of handed to them on a silver platter with tons of fresh matches that no one's ever seen before. I think it's a risk that they're taking based on his past with WWE and his past two runs in AEW. But it's uh, it's for them, if it works out, it works out. And if it doesn't, he's going to be gone. Um, as far as the promo, it was eight minutes long. I thought it was really simple. I thought it said the following thing. I, it, I thought this was basically the honeymoon promo. Like we we had the we had the wedding on Saturday, we had the honeymoon on Monday. Punk basically said, "I'm happy to be here. I still like Paul Heyman. People are nicer here. Seth Rollins fears me. I'm main eventing WrestleMania. Thank you." That's basically all he got out there, and I, th- I thought it left you wanting more. So we'll start off with uh, with Nick, your your initial reactions to the CM Punk return and to the promo. Well, I have to say that, unlike you, I honestly did not think Punk was going to show up, and I have to tip my cap to Triple H for doing it at the very, very, very last moment. Like, once the copyright info was up, I was like, okay, we're not getting him. And so he got me, they got me. Uh, nice work to all of them. Um, I thought that that you know the moment on Saturday could speak for itself, but on Monday, I think that I'm not sure that if I expected more. I don't. I don't. I, I don't think that I expected him to like go in on AEW or anything like that. But I do wonder if WWE set the expectations for what might happen in that promo a little too high in the sense that, oh, it's it's CM Punk with a live mic. And they, they you know, in the little bit of billing that they could do between Saturday and Monday, the most controversial, divisive figure, uh, you know, in pro wrestling. And then to have him come out and basically be like, I love you guys. I'm so happy to be back here. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of a bait and switch. Certainly uh, a little cruel to make the fans wait until the very last segment, especially once they were like, hey, we're going commercial free for the first hour and then uh, making everybody wait till the very end. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like it was it was kind of what I expected, but I'm not sure if it was what everybody expected. I felt like, too, if they would have given him more time, he would have ended up making the promo more about AEW and less about his return to WWE. We saw in his return promo in AEW that that ended up just becoming, I mean, that was a couch session. It was just pretty much him venting his entire 
grievances, but doing it in a really passive aggressive indirect way. So I, I think the fact that they kept it short and sweet actually ended up working out. Um, yeah. And WWE has got to hold that. I think for the last segment, because they're up against Monday night football, they're trying to hold the audience for the full three hours. That's been a problem for them on some weeks. And they had other things actually that were pretty big that they needed to get to too. So, Vaughn, we're going to go over to you. What was your uh, what was your reaction to the return into the promo? I mean, like Nick, I was shocked. Uh, I thought, you know, you never say never in pro wrestling. I've learned that, you know, over my multiple decades of watching. You know, if Bret Hart can go back to WWE, so can CM Punk. Um, but still surprised when it still when it happened. As far as uh, last night, the competition as far as Monday Night Football, that game was not good. So. <laughs> They could have thrown out CM Punk at any time, and we're not missing anything from a 12-10 Bears-Vikings game where the Bears went with four field goals. So, um, And Josh Dobbs, Josh Dobbs, those four interceptions. So I don't know about the competition on that one. But the promo itself, yeah, I, I, I see why it left a lot to be desired for some people. They, You know, the way it was hyped up, uh, they, for one, like you said, told everybody the first hour is commercial-free. So I'm thinking CM Punk is coming out in that first hour. He did not understandable you make people you, you know you bring them in you make them stick around for the whole show and then what do we get we get an eight minute segment and eight minute promo he doesn't say a ton but he does say some things that hint to what could happen in the future like you said the main event of wrestlemania seth Rollins, and whatnot um but given the reports that came out after he came back was that no one in creative even knew that he was going to be there saturday night so it's kind of tough to start putting all these plans in motion already in two days. So they said just enough to give you a little wet your appetite, but I would assume, and we all can make this safe assumption, more is to come. And this is just the beginning. It's short short notice. Uh, WWE, you know, for better or for worse, they're taking their time with some of these stories and they're, they're careful with how to craft them and map them out. At least they have been in the last couple of years. So I don't blame them for not having a ton ready to go for CM Punk right away, but you still got to get him out there. You still got to have him say something. And they did. But again, I would assume that there's going to be more to come. If he's facing Seth Rollins sooner rather than later, or is it, if it's getting saved for WrestleMania, there's going to be a lot happening there. So we just have to sit back and wait, I guess. Yeah. I think this is always kind of a, a weird lull for WWE, the time between the Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble. It's even more so this year without a premium live event in between. So it kind of fills the, you know, those, those sort of lean weeks leading up to the Royal Rumble and leading up to the road of WrestleMania. And if there's one thing I've learned about Paul Levesque's booking is he really likes doing things that are slow burn and long-term if we've learned from the way that he has handled the bloodline as opposed to the way Vince McMahon did and the way that the judgment day thing has been kind of uh, drawn out too. Um, Nick, how do you expect CM Punk or Phil Brooks to, I'm going to ask the, I'm going to ask it in WWE speak. Can Phil Brooks, CM Punk and Triple H, Paul Levesque coexist? Oh God. He said, the <laughs> is it the coexist word? <laughs> uh, yes, I think, I mean, can they, I think they can. Um, I, I definitely think Triple H can coexist with CM Punk. I think I think Triple H, you know, we could we can do some more uh, WWE speak and talk about what's best for business. I, I think I think in the position that he's in now, he's all about that, right? More so than ever. So I, I don't think he would have brought Punk back 
uh, it sounds like he and Nick Khan were were the the two driving forces in bringing him back. I don't think he would have brought him back if he didn't think that. Now, can Punko exist? I, I don't know, right? Does anybody know? Like, we can we can sit here and debate it all we want. Like, oh, this is this is his last chance with one of the big companies. He's definitely going to be on his best behavior, but. I don't know. Like I thought maybe AEW was his last chance and he wasn't on his best behavior there. So I, I'm not sure that anybody could sit here and tell you, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, CM Punk is going to absolutely toe the line. I, I think there's a better chance here, but maybe he's someone who just doesn't learn and he's going to burn everything down in the end. Like, And that's what makes it so – that's part of what makes it so fascinating, I think. One of the things that kind of came out on some of the reports of the why of – you know, why WWE did this deal was that they did not want to be adversarial to their audience. They basically said, if, if, if the audience demands this, we're going to do it. So let's go, let's do it. Um, what do you think about that Vaughn in terms of, uh, you know, what, what position that puts WWE in that they're going to be, you know, Triple H has done a lot of big deals for WWE before in terms of getting uh, Bruno San Martino back in the mix, getting ultimate warrior back in the mix. And now, now he's got this. So what does it mean that you, to you that WWE is uh, kind of going to be going that direction now? I think it's a good thing. If you, you know, being adversarial to your audience generally doesn't work, <laughs> you know, like you want these people to tune in, you want them to spend their hard earned money on your product, whether that's, through live tickets, merchandise, or of course, like premium live events, you probably should give them what they want sometimes. You know, like there's a thing called fan service in movies. And I know some people go, like, oh, fan service is, you know, you don't want to do too much of it. And yeah, there's a balance you want to have there. But at some point, give the people what they want. <laughs> you know, like that's nothing you can't, generally, you can't go wrong with that. Right. And I think that mending these fences and just being about business is bringing people back in and, you know, if the people want it, all, at the end of the day, it's going to help you make more money, which is why we're here. Like CM Punk said last night, not here to make friends, here to make money. And obviously, you know, locker room harmony, I think is important. And as far as we, I've heard and what's been reported, we don't hear about tiffs in the locker room too much in WWE. If anything, it's the talent against the booker, the former booker and Vince McMahon, but it wasn't really in between talent. Here and there, you might hear some stuff, but it's nothing, obviously nothing major to the level that's occurred in AEW. So that's important, obviously. And I think that's part of the WWE success. Honestly, I think it's a, a good portion of the success is that they have that uh, cohesion backstage. However, you're still here to make money. And part of that is getting the guy who has proven to be a draw, not just in WWE, but outside of it, which is there's not a lot of people who can say, I not only made money here, but I made money elsewhere at, on a high level. You know, we're not talking about independence or in another country. We're talking about in the United States. So... Yeah, he might rub some people the wrong way, but if people want it, and at the end of the day, it will make us money. So let's be big. Let's be adults. Let's sit down and make make this happen. Let's do business. And as somebody who's worked in a, a number of workplaces too, I think sometimes if it doesn't get out that things are going on or things aren't less than harmonious backstage, that's sometimes a product of good management of handling the situations and not allowing them to get worse as we've seen, as we've seen elsewhere. And we've seen really what led to a lot of the discord uh, regarding CM Punk and why he ended up somehow in 
WWE in the year of 2023, which still kind of blows my mind. I think the other thing that kind of blew my mind with that promo, when you look at the whole history of everything that happened with the, the Art of Wrestling podcast years ago with Cole Cabana, all through the, the defamation lawsuit with Nick Amon, and all through going to MMA and, you know, everywhere else he's been in the meantime, is that, and he said during the promo, this even kind of scares me a little bit, that I consider this home. And that kind of blew my mind, like, wow, this is home for him. And it's the same thing that Cody Rhodes basically said when he came back to WWE. Um, They both came up through different ways. Uh, CM Punk through the independence. Cody Rhodes obviously did not need to go through the independence when he broke into wrestling because of who he was. But they both came up through Ohio Valley Wrestling, through the WWE system, and they have a lot of history there. So what did you think, Nick, when you heard him say that WWE is home? I that that that's it is kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, I'm glad that you brought up Cody though, because I think there's like an important juxtaposition between the two of them, and that is that I think that Cody probably always knew that WWE was his home, right? That there were some things that he needed to go do outside of WWE, but he would probably always circle back at some point, and and that was you know where his end destination was going to be. I don't think I you know, punk is a completely opposite, right? I think he uh, probably needed to do all these things out of necessity, not because he wanted to go find other things. And I think he's been searching for a home, right? I think if he was successful in MMA, which seems crazy to think about now, given what happened to him, but if he was successful there, maybe that would have been his home. If, if things had gone differently in AEW, maybe that would have been his home. But I think he needed those bad experiences to kind of figure out, okay, well, this is where I felt most comfortable. So I saw some people, uh, especially on social media, kind of poo-poo that line that, that you know, oh, it's just him being corporate or he's setting up an angle or something like that. But I, I, don't, I don't think that's true. I think he meant what he said, but I think the, the way that he got about realizing it was a lot different from Cody and maybe some other people as well. Yeah, and if you ever watched the, the Best in the World DVD that – came out years ago that WWE did, which is, I believe, now streaming on Peacock. I think it's plastered right on the front page of the <laughs> WWE portal in case anybody wants to check it out. But the, the big theme of that was kind of his distrust of any authority or in his life. And you could kind of see that as it, every step in his life took place. He gave that grass is greener comment to MJF when he was in AEW. I have a hard time kind of assigning reality to stuff that gets said in wrestling promos because it's said in wrestling promos. It's on TV. It's there for a reason, but you know, maybe he did, you know, really go through a lot of exploration of himself to get to where he is. What, Vaughn, what was your kind of take on uh, whether or not that was uh, legitimate or uh, heartfelt? <laughs> It could be. I mean, it's it's funny. It's really funny to hear. And I understand why people take it and run with it on social media, because he's he's always he's pretty much been the exact opposite about of WWE being home for the last decade. Like he, he's he's ranted about WWE on numerous occasions and his displeasure for the doofus son in law and the old man boss and everybody else that he worked for while he was there. But like you said, he's going on a little bit of a journey. I would hope that after everything that's happened in AEW between getting there and coming back to AEW after multiple years away from wrestling, having the beefs that he had, 
getting fired, and you would hope he's learned something. So maybe he has come to some conclusion, like, you know what, man? It was just meant to be. I'm just this is where I'm supposed to be anyway. Maybe I would hope that still there's some growth that he had coming out of that. Cause if not, then what do we take from it other than you got fired? You know, something has to come out of that. Yeah, definitely. And it's 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 just uh it's still just kind of surreal to you know to to even be talking about this today, to be honest with you. <laughs> like um I, I, I kind of don't know what to think of it uh in some in some cases. But Nick, if you uh I would say for booking his first match back that Initially, I was thinking Nakamura when I was thinking that stuff, but now I see that that's not going that direction. And I'll say this, too, about last night's show. While they did wait until the end, they did use the middle a little bit to build the Seth Rollins part of it up because Seth Rollins sort of had to weigh in and give his non-opinion opinion of CM Punk, and which everybody has kind of seen. And Drew McIntyre got to sort of weigh in on it, too, but didn't. And also they got to tout the... Uh, the social and the engagement stats and all the headlines and everything like that to show you what a, what a big deal this was. Um, I'm assuming Royal Rumble, but I don't really know. Like, is it? Do you just put him in the Royal Rumble? Is that where you start him just to keep it slow burn and then build other things out of it? Yeah, I mean, if we learned anything from uh, the way that WWE handled. Uh, you know, the late Bray Wyatt's last return. I, I don't think that they're necessarily in a hurry to get him. They don't need to be in a hurry to get Punk in the ring. Yeah, you know, that was an interesting thing about last night, too, is like Randy Orton is back, and he had his first solo match back last night because they were planning on him being back, and it made sense. I, I don't think you necessarily need. I mean, I think, obviously, his fans would love to see Punk back in the ring right away. But you don't necessarily need to rush him into anything. And so with uh, Rumble seems fine to me. I think it was important that uh, they gave Seth, uh, you know, more to do with Drew McIntyre. I think that managed expectations like, oh, we're not going to see, you know, Seth versus CM Punk right away. And they can they can hold that off. And, and it was a good signaling to people last night that uh, that's not going to be what he does first. So yeah, I, I, I either in the rumble or setting something up for a solo match at the rumble. But like, honestly, I don't know off the top of my head who you would put him in there with right away. Vaughn, who do you think? Do you put him on a Monday night raw or a SmackDown to kind of pop a rating in the meantime, before mm. the rumble against somebody, do you give him Dominic Mysterio or JD McDonough or somebody <laughs> like that to just kind of get his feet wet and get going? But what do you think? I think you save him for the Rumble, and I think you save, you know, like you said, we've said, they've been more patient with how they tell stories lately, and I, I don't see a need to rush it. The crazy thing about, one of the crazy things about all of this is that WWE is in, in a position where they really don't need CM Punk. They don't need him. They got a lot of stuff going on right now. I'm sure they got plenty of creative plans mapped out through WrestleMania right now. And then they just throw in CM Punk too. So they can afford to take their time. They're not in a position of desperation where they, you know, where they might have been in that position in the years past. They're not in that position now. So yeah, they, they are afforded the luxury of taking their time. So I would wait and wait till the rumble and make the rumble a big, you know, attraction because CM Punk's first match back in WWE is gonna happen there. 
and he's probably going to be in the Royal Rumble match. And he might just win it. Who knows? But to me, I would save that attraction for the Royal Rumble. You can have him cut promos. You can have him make appearances. He doesn't have to get in the ring right away. And I think one of the important things about the Royal Rumble that sometimes gets lost over the years is, um, and I think we probably remember it from when we were little kids too, the Royal Rumble should now, that it's for the main event of WrestleMania, be all of the top contenders available in WWE. I always loved those shows where they'd run through all the Rumble participants and Vince McMahon would be like, well, you know, Virgil could win the Royal Rumble, but Virgil was never going to win the Royal Rumble any of the years that he was in it. So, I mean, I think it's important. Like, we've seen that with AEW, too. They sometimes have things full of contenders, tournaments where it's like, how did Dustin Rhodes get in this tournament? I haven't seen him on television in six months. I like Dustin Rhodes. He's going to have a good match, but explain to me in a sports logic way how he qualified to get into this. So all that said, I think that WrestleMania... Gosh, and this goes against what Nick and I did on the last one of these that we did too. But I think the main events for WrestleMania are now Seth Rollins versus CM Punk on night one and Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes on night two. And that kind of eliminates my original Jade Cargill versus Charlotte Flair idea. But as a main event, even more wacky in my mind that, uh, Nick, I was thinking of this the other day. The Today Show, the day after WrestleMania, which generally has the winners of the title matches on it, could be CM Punk, Cody Rhodes, and Jade Cargill. <laughs> oh, my how, God. How wild is that? <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's not something that, uh, anybody would have would have guessed even a couple months ago. So, uh, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to give WWE any ideas, but, man, we can soon – build uh we can push wrestlemania out to three nights pretty soon right they got they got all kinds of main event possibilities not everybody's shaking their head <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's an embarrassment of riches honestly like yeah. the rich got richer and obviously ww is very very rich and very wealthy but it's kind of wild what they how they've stacked the roster in a very short period of time not just with signing big names neither they have developed big names you know, Cody, obviously, he's, you know, he's a WWE guy, but he's also became the American nightmare elsewhere. But like Jay Uso, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, you got Drew McIntyre. He's kind of he kind of rebuilt himself outside of WWE as well. But they kept that up. Seth Rollins, the Judgment Day It's like these are all pretty much homegrown, either talent or acts. They haven't gone out and signed big free agents outside of CM Punk. He's like the first real big one that I can remember. And, and Jay, Jay Cargill. That's it. And Cody made a point on the uh, Survivor Series press conference about how effective WWE has been in building baby faces in this era of WWE, noting the strength of his War Games team, of himself, Randy Orton, Sami Zayn, uh, Jey Uso, and Cody Rhodes. But um, to me, I also give some credit for that to that Roman Reigns is an amazing lead heel in this company. And the reason that you have so many strong baby faces chasing and going after things that fans are getting behind, and this is not even counting Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, or LA Knight, who are also strong baby faces on the other side. So um, that Drew McIntyre is sort of doing the Bret Hart Canada tweener kind of thing right now anyway. But um, 
So, Nick, what's your mania main events now with all of this in mind? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to me that you could just have like another potential WrestleMania main event player handed to you like this. Uh, I guess I, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms until we're actually here talking it out. But I, I it'll be interesting, right? Because last year, they clearly stuck to their plan when everybody was talking about, oh, maybe Sami Zayn will be in the main event of WrestleMania. They clearly stuck to their long-term plan over something that came about that they may not have been expected, which was kind of Sami's rise, right? Uh, spinning out of the bloodline storyline. So now the the intriguing thing to me will be if the main events end up what being what you just said, which I think does make a lot of sense, that that's like kind of the opposite of last year, because that will be something that short, that shorter term that, that kind of fell in their lap that they weren't expecting. So if, if CM Punk is, is main eventing one night of WrestleMania, uh, just months after he returned to the company, that that's like the complete opposite of last year. But I don't think it's impossible. I, I think some people might be disappointed that there's not a women's match of some sort in that spot. But I also feel like Triple H will go with the best two, you know, the, the matches that make the most sense for those two nights. Yeah, and last year it was the the tag team titles that ended yeah. up in the in the main event spot. Other years it had been the women's matches and stuff like that. Well, what's your what's your main events looking like? What do you think? Yeah, I guess we've had to go with those two matches. I mean, if if Seth if CM Punk isn't in WWE, I I probably would have put him against Gunther, and maybe had Gunther win the world title. If, you know, before before losing the Intercontinental title, obviously. But um, but yeah, I guess you'd have to go with those two matches. And like Nick said, you I'd I'd like having a women's match in one of those matches, but you also want to have the two best matches. They did it last year. They had the tag team title match in the main event night one, which was the right call. That was the second biggest angle they had. So kind of play it that way, you know, it's up to them though to build the women's to, to build a women's angle up to that level. I think that's on WWE. I'm not saying that like they should be off the hook for that. They should do that. Uh, if not this year, moving forward for sure. But I think for this year, for 2024, I should say, you have to go with those two matches. You have to capitalize on CM Punk being on your roster. Also, CM Punk is not getting younger, and he's had a couple of severe injuries the last couple of years. So yep. you don't know how many chances you're going to have at this. So while the while it's there, t- capitalize. You got to do it. So, I think what what works in WWE's favor if they go with these two matches too is. If Seth Rollins wins against CM Punk, which I think that would be the right decision, you've given everybody the one thing. Okay, the one thing Punk's never done is main event Mania, but he's not going to be satisfied with losing the main event of Mania, much like Cody Rhodes wasn't satisfied with losing in his first world championship match last year. So your, your story can then continue. The other thing I think that works in WWE's favor there, they have more destinations than ever for shows and booking and needing big attractions on shows. If you just look at 2024, I think they've got subsidies from cities for, I think, uh, eight or nine of their PLEs next year, uh, including Paris or wherever that is in France. I know it's outside of Paris. I don't remember exactly where it is. Backlash show. Uh, They have Perf for Elimination Chamber. They have Munich at the end of August. Or is it Berlin? I'm sorry. It's Berlin, actually, not Munich. Yeah. I'm screwing up all my cities in Europe here today. But um, And then you got SummerSlam. Then you got Money in the Bank. You need big things on all of these shows. Plus, 
you need big things on your TV because you're in the year where you're trying to get a, they got one last contract to work out and it's said to be the biggest one. Um, so I would think that Rollins wins out of that because I think that just gives you more opportunities. It extends out Punk and Rollins even longer. It allows you to get more big matches. On you, I didn't even mention the two Saudi shows that they have $50 million apiece in 2024 too, which will be fascinating to see if Punk ends up on those after what he said about those. But um, I would think that he would because it's an enormous payday. Um, it just it's, it's insane how many different big shows they have in the coming years. Uh, do you think, Nick, that I mean, because I kind of think they need to book SummerSlam sort of like the second WrestleMania of the year now, the way that things are set up. Yeah, well, first, I wanted to touch on something really quickly. Are, are we in agreement then that CM Punk is is going to turn heel at some point between now and WrestleMania? Because, Or, or are we thinking he stays the babyface and Seth turns heel? I hate to make him That's more like a Bret Hart thing because Drew McIntyre is sort of doing the exact same thing right now. But his fan base is so good that I don't even know... I think within individual matches, he can have heel tendencies or not, depending on who, you know, if he's wrestling, like, I'm trying to think of a really good heel. If he's wrestling Gunther, he's probably wrestling that match as a baby yeah. face. Yeah. If he's wrestling Rollins, I'm not really sure. And I, it, Rollins, even like when he asked the crowd last night what they thought, he was kind of like he looked like he was unsure. Like, am I am I the heel here? Am I the babyface here? Don't really know. Does Nashville like punk? And then the other piece of that too is I was in uh, Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, when he came back on the AW Collision show. I was on one of the few collisions that he actually got to wrestle on, <laughs> and the reaction to Punk in that building was not good. It was negative for the most part. So Vaughn, do you think he's going to even get a mixed reaction or is that something that's sort of reserved for the AEW audience? I think it'll be mixed. I think it was sort of mixed last night. It yeah. was mixed when Seth Rollins brought him up. I think it was kind of mixed when he's cut his promo a little bit at the end of raw. Uh, and I think that's, you work with that. That's to me at the end of the day, it gets a reaction one side or the other. And there were a time where people weren't getting reactions, you know? So you run with that. You run with the fact that he is polarizing. You run with the fact that he is controversial and that there are some people who do like him. There are some people who don't. You love him or you hate him. There's no in between. That could be his character. It was They tried to do that with John Cena back in the day. I don't know if it was really worked because people, you know, he was a polarizing character, but for way different reasons than CM Punk. CM Punk is a legit in real life, a polarizing figure inside the wrestling business. So I think you just run with that. He can be an island on his own. We all... This isn't the kayfabe era. We, we are in what we, I guess you call the reality era, where people know what's going on. People know what's happening behind the scenes. That's part of the allure of CM Punk is that when he enters a locker room, will he fit in? Will he ingratiate himself? Or where will he rub people the wrong way? And he has frequently in the past. Will he do it again? To me, that's part of the draw. That's part of the drama. That's part of the reason why we watched last night is to see who was he going to piss anybody off then. So, yeah, I think you just run with that as far as CM Punk and let him just be a man on his own island and do what he wants kind of thing. He doesn't have to fit one side or the other. He's CM Punk. I mean, in, it, in the context of WrestleMania, that could actually work, right? So if you have the night two main event being Roman and Cody, 
a very like kind of classic hero versus villain story and then have night one be hey these guys really just don't like each other uh but but you know that we're not defining where they where they are on the spectrum quite as much as the other night uh that could that could work. It's different, but it could definitely work. And to Vaughn's point too, I think fans think they know what's going on behind the scenes. Sometimes they don't really. And I think if WWE kind of blurs the line here with Punk, you're going to win because I think the more people think that there's discord surrounding him, if there's not really, I think that works in WWE's favor because then at that point you are selling them reality and what the fans think. Oh my God, is this? You know, it's it's kind of your classic from the 1950s and 60s, like, oh, you know, the rest of the show is fake, but I think Johnny Valentine is real. Like, you know, I, I think the rest of this WrestleMania is going to be fake, but man, what's going to happen when Punk and Rollins get in there? What's going to happen when Brett and Sean wrestle at Survivor Series? It's that kind of mystique that you're getting back in an era where it's very hard to manufacture those types of rivalries. I'll ask this question, and I, I wrote this down before. Is for Dick actually is, is the fact that Vince McMahon is gone from the day to day of WWE helpful in this? Do you think for Punk? Uh, yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, I I think if you listened to Triple H's press conference bit after Survivor Series, uh, it's it sounded like uh, you know it was. I, I don't. I'm not sure if this is able to come together as quickly. Let's put it that way. I don't. I don't know about. I don't know. I'm not definitely don't know enough to say about you know Punk and Vince's relationship to know if that would have been a complicating factor. But I certainly think not having to go check with Vince or run it by him and just be have the ability to go do what they wanted. And and Triple H even said, hey, the 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 higher ups at TKO didn't even really. Uh, have anything to do with this or or that you know they trust us to do what's what's best for wwe so i i think yes the 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 current power structure of wwe certainly made this in my mind a lot more plausible than the old one and then uh, i'm gonna throw this one out i'll start with vaughn just and go to nick afterwards i kind of want to talk about industry-wide kind of what this does what did the cm punk signing make this look like for AEW? Oh, I wrote uh, on USA Today, Wrestling Junkie, that it was a it was a loss for AEW. I mean, look, they, they have time. They're not like they're dead in the water and they're, it's doom and gloom. They can always rebound from this. You know, it, it, t- it will take some time and they got to do it. And it, apparently they make some changes. Q2 Marshall is out the door. Who knows why? But they, they have time to bounce back. But it's still it's a loss. Like you had him in the building. It wasn't like he chose WWE over AEW. He chose AEW over WWE back in 2021. That's where he wanted to be. And he was there and he was happy to be there until he wasn't, obviously, and things went awry. And so you know, some of that is his fault, some of this wasn't, but things went awry and he's gone. And you have Tony Khan sitting at press conferences saying that CM Punk is the reason why we're making all this money. He's the biggest financial difference maker in our company and then you lose them and you you have to you have to you had they had to remove them from the, from the situation because it became mm-hmm. untenable that's a tough that's a bitter pill to swallow and then on top of that now mjf has hurt who knows how long that will affect him yeah that's a t- that's a tough one you know to me uh aw they can always bounce back they still got a great product they still have great talent it's just you lost this one pal Better luck for the next time. And maybe they'll learn something, 
learn something from it the next time they have a big name that comes in and learn how to smooth out these situations better. And then Nick, um, you know, Vaughn mentioned it there, MJF out with an apparent uh, injury uh, now to uh, his shoulder, torn labrum. Uh, Adam Cole out with double uh, ankle surgery too, all sorts of different things. What does AEW need to focus on in this period to get the negative out of the way and just sort of, I think you even said this earlier today, just hit the reset button and, and, and restart at this point. What do they need to do? Uh, well, I hope that they don't overreact, right? I hope that 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 Tony Khan doesn't like just try to go on a crazy acquisition spree or or just I, I don't want I don't want them to panic. But here's what I can't get out of my head. In my lifetime as a wrestling fan, I've only lived through one. I mean, we all have only lived through one time where another promotion, in that case WCW, uh, got really hot to the point where it was a legitimately a legitimate contender for WWE. And once it lost its status as the hot thing, it never recovered. Right. So I think like what I hope personally, as a, as someone who wants to see the pro wrestling industry as vibrant as it can be, I hope that AEW hasn't already had that moment and is, you know, and not able to get it back because that would be a bummer. And I think that at the beginning it helped because AEW had, the uh, idea that it was an alternative to WWE, that there was the sports entertainment versus pro wrestling uh, kind of divide. And even though maybe that was a little oversimplification, it worked for them, right? This is where you want to go see great in-ring action and the other company is doing sports entertainment. Well, that's not true anymore, right? right. I, I would say that we would all agree that WWE's product has gotten more like AEW's at the same time, AEW has drifted back a little bit toward WWE, and that's that's not good for AEW, right? Like, So I think it needs an identity more than anything else. And I don't know what that is because I'm not Tony Khan and I'm not, I've am not i never run a wrestling company, but I think they're they in a period where they need to define themselves, what they look like going forward 2024 and beyond. And until they do that, it's all just going to be flailing around. And I've said this so many times before on, on my podcast, it's just the, the long-term health of AEW is so important for the wrestling industry itself. The entertainment stuff you mentioned, Cardblade, which you literally have like right behind you, Timeless Tony Storm, Matt Taven holding a giraffe. Like it's just uh it's stuff that I didn't really expect to see from them. But I, I, I think they really need to uh like you said, they need to define who they are yeah. and they need to not try to be WWE do the things that stand out and make you different and make you an alternative. They're not going to be number one. I think it's really safe to say that in our lifetimes, look, Vince McMahon has owned the company now for 41 years. And out of those 41 years, there were only 84 weeks in which he was not number one. And that 84 weeks is celebrated as like a war battle victory. <laughs> it's amazing, but it's, it's 84 weeks out of 41 years. Like that's incredible. That's an incredible run. Just know that they have their spot in the industry and they need to keep it. And they also need to keep a look behind them too, because there's other companies that are making some moves right now that they need to be aware of because they're going to be in competition for a lot of the same people with those companies as, as WWE will be a big player too, because they're just pretty much picking whoever they want right now to go try to sign. Um, Vaughn, any last thoughts uh, as we, as we wrap yeah, just to piggyback what y'all said, I mean, AEW needs to find an, a cohesive identity. So, like, they're trying to please a lot of different types of audiences, and right now, they're not pleasing a whole lot of them. 
Uh, also, you know, I like the Tony Storm stuff, but I don't know if that should be the top angle in the women's division. Even though it's funny, I like it, but is that the best thing you, you should have going? I don't know. Like, it, it feels like a very WWE type of angle. It's hysterical as it is. I enjoy it. I felt I felt like AEW fans would have clowned WWE for that two or three years ago. Yeah. But here we are. Um, but yeah, AEW, you know, they have a lot to work on. Uh, not just behind the scenes, but in front of the camera too. It will take some time. Like you, like Nick said, don't panic. Just get your ducks in a row, get your stuff together, and you know, take a look around and see who's in your foxhole, man. Look at take inventory of what you have at your disposal. You got Will Ospreay, you got Swerve Strickland, you got Adam Page. There are others that you can build around for the time being while MJF is injured, while Adam Cole is injured. And like you said, kind of hit the reset button. It's kind of build up the talent that you have and not have to worry about the outside noise. Just focus on what you're doing, focus on your thing and get your product better. And let's not worry about the outside noise for once. And Nick, to wrap this up, where can uh, fans read uh things from you and Vaughn and uh, others on the wrestling junkie team. Yeah. Wrestling junkie.usatoday.com. Uh, please come check it out. Vaughn's doing excellent columns uh, under this podcast right here under the ring with Phil talking to someone interesting from the wrestling industry every week. And then, you know, just as wide a, a, a net of pro wrestling covers as we can give you with a small team. All right, Nick, Vaughn, thank you guys so much for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Love to do this again and have a great week, everybody. Mm-hmm.